You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. I know that they're trying to just run out the clock at this point. I know that the hope of so many Democrats, so many people on the left, is that we will buckle. We'll give in, give up. But as I've been saying to you this week, it should be clear to all of us that this has to be fought to the end. We have to continue to push because we need to know that what we're seeing with these results, that the end status of all this is the best that we could possibly do under the circumstances. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's remember that the same people right now who are telling you that it is a grave and mortal threat to the system. The same people who are claiming that asking for recounts and bringing legal challenges are undermining and destroying our system. They're the ones who used cynically COVID as an opportunity to change our election in an election year in ways that they knew would advantage them. Democrats understood that election fraud is traditionally their thing. It's an area where they excel. And so if they remove the protections, if they remove the procedural hurdles to fraud, to irregularities, it would help them. That was why they were so set on it, right? That was why they believed so strongly in the need to protect everybody from the the danger of in-person voting. There was no danger of in-person voting. There was an election in Wisconsin at the height of the pandemic in the spring, and they couldn't trace any major spread to it whatsoever. And keep in mind, we just had this election where there was so much mail-in voting, and now we see the virus is rampaging across the country, huge numbers of people getting infected. We're really to believe that it was that one day, it was, it was election day where everything had to change. But you can't do violence to the rule of law. You can't undermine the rule of law itself while claiming to be a protector of it. And that's exactly what Democrats are doing. They decide that this is not a year where the rules really apply. And then they turn around and say, obey the rules. This is why the challenge in Pennsylvania is so important. There is no constitutional basis or authority for what was done in Pennsylvania. That much is clear. What's not clear is whether the judicial branch will have enough people who still believe in the rule of law and the Constitution who are involved in reviewing that decision to say, sorry, there are procedures. It's not like if they were unable to certify the Pennsylvania vote as it currently stands, The country would be thrown into chaos and we can't know who the president is. No, there is a process that kicks in. The founders thought all of this through. There will be a president. We don't have to worry about that. What we do have to worry about is that we're just sitting around and watching a steal happen before our eyes without even really knowing if we took it all the way. And if we're able to at least show at least force them to look you in the eyes and say, "Okay, yeah, so we broke some laws. So we we negated the Constitution in Pennsylvania and and changed the way that vote counts were done. And who knows how many other places across the country, all because of covid. Um, We did all that and tough. You know, we we managed the steal. 
I at least want to have the full facts. I at least want us to know as much as we possibly can about what they did, how they accomplished it. It's about this election and it's about the next election, which may well involve someone that I know you all support for president running again. Right? I mean, if Joe Biden can run for president pretty much continuously since the day I was born, uh, then I think it's fair to say that Joe Biden uh, proves that you don't have to you don't have to win every competition to still end up being the president. Maybe again. But all these things that we're seeing happening right now, the big tech censorship, the efforts by the media to just shut down all discussion about this election, the fix has been in. The fix has been in. Is it even really possible to say that this is an entirely free and fair election at this point? You might be able to say that you were able to freely vote for who you want, and maybe they didn't change vote tallies or anything like that. Fine. But fair? They changed the rules of the game while the game was happening in ways that they knew would help one side, and they went around the established processes for that. And these are people who have, the left and the Democrats, abused process at every stage of the game. They abused the process of the Department of Justice and of our law enforcement agencies to mount what is still the most grotesque political scandal of my lifetime, the usage of FISA and FBI informants to target a president and a presidential campaign as though they were spies, agents of a foreign power working for an adversary, which no intelligent person could have really believed. But what we found out is that we have both liars and idiots at the top level of the Obama era FBI, DOJ, intelligence community, the CIA, And then they did an impeachment, the most laughably inept, absurd impeachment in my lifetime. They tried to impeach a president over a phone call where no law was broken and no action was taken. But Nancy Pelosi went with it anyway. And remember all those long speeches they gave on the on the floor of Congress. Oh, we need to get rid of this president. It's about the Constitution. You know, they all started crying like Cory Booker, you know, whenever he speaks about the Constitution. It's about the Constitution. You have to get rid of this president because the Constitution. No, that's that's not true. That's not what is happening. It wasn't a, a real review, a real recitation of the facts in that instance. But now here we are. We're being told, oh, it's all a sacred process, you see. When an advantage is them, when they think it's on their side, it's obey the rules. When the rules are in their way, they change them. And they look at us and say, what are you going to do about it? So that's really the question we're answering right now. It definitely seems to all of us that this election was not on the up and up. That there were there were irregularities that is already proven. And there is certainly a ton of evidence because that's what a sworn affidavit is of fraud and fraudulent behaviors. They certainly opened the doors as wide as they possibly could to fraud. And now we're trying to find out what really happened, and they don't want that to occur. They're already saying, you must call him President-elect Biden. Well, no, they actually got ahead of the process with that. The Electoral College has not met. We, we don't have to call him. I don't care what CNN says. We don't have to call him President-elect Biden. 
once the Electoral College meets, once those votes are cast, once the Congress certifies, yeah, then we've got a president, president-elect, and he's getting sworn in. That's how it happens. It's not because they say so. But when you add all of this together, the change in the rules, the social media suppression, the lies Nancy Pelosi and others told about Trump defunding the post office, the way that they created this unbelievable excess panic around the Trump administration's response to COVID-19, the shutting down of schools, Pelosi preventing aid from getting to people during this period who need and deserve it because immiserating the American people advantage the Democrats in this election cycle. Those are the people that's the party that's going to lecture us now on norms and protecting our sacred democracy. I don't think so. I'm still not interested at all in lectures about protecting our system from the liars who pretended Trump was a Russian asset who betrayed America from the liars who pretended Trump needed to be impeached over a legitimate phone call with the Ukrainian president from the liars who acted like Trump was running some scheme to destroy the post office. These people are nuts. There is a and unfortunately a sly, a conniving lunacy to all of this where they will say and do anything to achieve power. And I cannot I cannot mislead you. They may be successful in this election process. But when you look at what's really happened here, when you see and add it all together, it's a reminder that even if we lose this fight, we continue in this fight until we can't anymore. That is our mission from now until we find out if it is four more years or president-elect Biden. The day is not yet here, and we will continue to follow this at every step. The Supreme Court may take up this Pennsylvania challenge. All it takes is one lawsuit in one of these states to finally break through the wall of this absurd election and... Everything else feels like it will start to fall into place after that. We'll see. But we fight either way. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest news and information from Buck by heading to BuckSexton.com. This Georgia Secretary of State Raffensperger. You know, this is when you see that at at the state level, You get in in politics, including plenty of Republicans, you just get clowns. You get people that are you you wonder, how do they get this job? Here here he is making sure that we know or we're supposed to know that there's nothing to see here. Stop asking questions about Georgia. And for anybody who's watching what's happening, it can't really increase your confidence level in this upcoming runoff election. Here's Raffensperger. Play four. It's been a long 34 days since the election on November 3rd. We have now counted legally cast ballots three times, and the results remain unchanged. As Secretary of State, I have worked to secure the vote for all Georgians. On day one, we outlawed ballot harvesting. We strengthened signature match through the GBI training and moved towards an audible paper ballot system. I am the first Secretary of State to implement a driver's license requirement for online absentee ballot applications, which strengthened the security of our absentee ballot process. So he's telling you there's nothing to see. Oh, OK. I guess we're all supposed to go away. You know who I, I trust to be a fighter and to be an honest guy in this? You know who 
I remember sitting down with and doing interviews on Capitol Hill about how Russia collusion was a farce and a lie, and we had to get to the bottom of it. That was before everybody knew all the stuff about Strzok and Page. And you know who was in that fight? Jim Jordan of Ohio, among others. Uh, Devin Nunes. No one's ever apologized to Congressman Devin Nunes for being right on all the Russia collusion hoax garbage. No, instead, they said he should lose his committee assignments. He should he should be, you know, drummed out. He should be kicked out of, of Congress for being right. Just like how Facebook and Twitter, these social media sites, they're they're throttling me now for being right on covid. What I say ends up happening. What what Dr. Fauci tells you is garbage. Just give it just give it four weeks and you'll see it's absolute nonsense. Well, here's Jim Jordan, though. So so we're told by Raffensperger of Georgia, nothing to see here. Here's Jim Jordan saying um, there's something I want to see. Play three. We had a staffer, I've said this many times, we had a staffer who works for our office and for the Judiciary Committee who at her apartment, she got her ballot, four other ballots were mailed to her apartment that were people who didn't live there. Yeah. That is a recipe for disaster. And all we're asking now is why won't some of these, why won't Governor Kemp in Georgia, for example, let us recheck the signatures and actually find out the rejection rate that, that Mr. Starr was talking about early. It was, it was next to nothing this election when you got 41% of the electorate sending a mail-in ballot in. That, that, that defies any type of common sense. Does anyone want to offer an explanation for that? These are facts now. Now we're talking facts. Jim Jordan's bringing this up. You had almost 40 percent of the electorate do mail in balloting in Georgia. And you have a rejection rate of something like point zero three percent. It used to be more like two or three percent. So why is it that this year ballots that came in through the mail by a factor of, you know, 100 were less likely to be rejected? Oh, it's because we got in a pandemic with all the problems and changes and everything going on. All of a sudden, our our voting processes became much more streamlined and uh, and safeguarded. Does anyone believe that? Hmm. We're talking about a 13,000 vote margin difference. And I want to be very clear, even if we only flip one state and it's not enough to change the actual election outcome, it's essential that we that we make sure we know if a state actually went red because the next time around when Democrats say there's no election fraud, we can say, really, you had an entire state in a presidential election that was determined initially by either irregularity and or fraud. All right, the precedent here matters and the overall contest matters. I understand that. Now, I, I do have a frustration that these fights weren't more at the forefront of the minds of many GOP officials before this happened. I remember when I was in North Carolina in August giving a, giving a speech there to the Craven County Republicans, Craven County GOP. And the guy who came up after me, who was the, one, of their, one of their GOP um, reps, you know, state directors, whatever he was, I forget his title. He said, this election thing is, they're kicking the door wide open to fraud. He knew. Now, we did win in North Carolina, but it was close. But he knew what was going on. We needed to prepare more for it. You know, conservative media here, we were not ahead of this enough, honestly. We have to do a little bit of introspection on this, too, because we needed to have challenges brought to some of these processes before the election. I understand, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but this was seen by people that were paying close attention. But instead, you know, we were all 
all focused in on Hunter Biden for a while there. I don't mean to keep harping on that story, but I just, you know, I told you that's not, it wasn't going to make any difference in the election and it didn't make any difference in the election. And we, we went after that with everything, everything conservative media had, all the biggest guns, all the biggest platforms. I just think it was a strategic error. There were other issues that would have been more important. But anyway, Georgia, we have to know what happened in Georgia. We have to continue to get answers here. And it does not make me feel any better when we have incompetent state officials saying, just forget it, leave it alone. My friend Sean Parnell is leading the charge in Pennsylvania here. He's running for a congressional seat, but part of his lawsuit, if it's taken up by the Supreme Court, I know Ted Cruz has said that if he's able to do, if the court takes it, Ted Cruz has said he will give oral arguments in favor of the petitioner's case here. But Sean may be part of pushing over that first big boulder of an illegitimate result in Pennsylvania. There's there's nothing crazy about this. We have laws. The laws are to be respected and you cannot change laws in an election because you say so because covid is so scary. That's not how the law works. Right. The same way you can't just shut down churches because you feel like it, because we have a First Amendment to the Constitution that guarantees a free exercise of religion. You cannot override the will of the Pennsylvania state legislature and say this is how we're doing the election this year. This is a matter of law. The same laws that we're following to determine the outcome of this process say that you can't change the process like they did in Pennsylvania. So we're not giving up that fight at all. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. It has been months since there's been real federal aid to people who are economically devastated because of policies at the state and in some cases the federal level that have made it impossible for them to operate their businesses, have destroyed their uh, their financial prospects. And we haven't had any aid in months and we all know why. But you're going to see a a massive gaslighting now. You're going to see people who will tell you, oh, don't don't pay any attention to what you know. Listen to us now. Here's what we know. Democrats refused to allow that money to allow that aid to get out to the American people because they were not the Republicans were not conceding to a Democrat wish list. That is what happened. That is the reality of what occurred and is continuing to occur. Nancy Pelosi, let them eat cake, Nancy, Chardonnay socialist. But I can't say much about the children and the poor people. That Nancy Pelosi, while she's in her literal mansion, I mean, an actual mansion in San Francisco uh, and and her $20,000 dual Viking freezers, eating her $14 a pint and a pint Jenny's ice cream. That Nancy Pelosi, who is using her authority as the most powerful Democrat in elected office still in the country to block you if you have been affected by COVID economically, to block you from getting money the government owes you. This is not, and I think this is, everyone needs to be very clear on this. Anyone who's getting COVID relief funds Through the PPP program, for example, anyone who's getting paid because they don't they're out of a job because of covid. 
This isn't standing outside with your with your hat in your hand saying, hey, can anyone help me out? I've hit a rough patch. This is, oh, the government has taken from me and now the government needs to not even make me whole, but at least give give a little help here. This would be like saying the government, you know, you know, accidentally we bulldozed your house. We're trying to build a bridge. Okay, well, are you going to compensate me for this in some way? Nancy Pelosi says, no, sorry, bulldozed house guy. You're on your own, at least for now, at least until after the election, because miserable people will want to throw the bums out in charge. And the biggest guy in charge is Trump, as we know. It's not fair, but this is the game they played. And unfortunately, it has worked somewhat. Um, You have uh, Chris Cuomo's brother. Uh, Andrew Cuomo is really a terrifying political figure at this point. I mean, not that I'm scared of him, but it's it's troubling to think that somebody could be as delusional and as thuggish as Andrew Cuomo is the governor of New York. I mean, at least Gavin Newsom, you feel like you could always you could always buy him off with a, you know, a fancy bottle of champagne and some foie gras. You know what I mean? You, You could always like get him to sit down with you and and talk to you. And if you were willing to play the game his way, he's very transactional, right? Governor Cuomo seems to believe his own BS. This guy's nuts. And his brother is running effectively a propaganda show on behalf from New York. That's where CNN is is based out of, as you know, the headquarters in Atlanta is like a vestige of the past. It's really a New York operation. And he's running this propaganda operation for him and saying things meant to throw people off the truth here, which is that it's the Democrats intransigence. It's their it's Nancy Pelosi's hostage taking that has prevented aid from getting out to people. Here is uh, here is Chris Cuomo talking about the people without food right now. Play seven. Too many listened and wanted to believe that we were rounding the corner. I told you then and you know it now. Trump lied. This will be over by April. Trump lied, magically vanished during the summer, disappear after the election. They won't even talk about it. They all lied to you because they thought it would work for them. And it is worse than ever, especially since November. And so is Trump. But I got to tell you, the real onus is no longer on that guy. He's never been in the driver's seat. It's Congress. You, you step up whenever we ask. I tell you, these people need help. There's a there's a page. You can go. You can do it. You do it. You do it amazingly. You max people out. You go to the charity. You reach out. You send us stories. I don't have much, but I'll give what I can. Where is that in our leadership? Where is that in the people that we put there to do what we can't do? Listen to all the all the outrage, all the righteous indignation here from Bro Cuomo. Doesn't name. He says leadership. Who, who are we talking about? Republicans put forward an agreement, a bill, a funding package. They're good to go. They're like, let's go. Here you go. Whatever. I I forget the exact number now. It's like eight hundred billion dollars, almost a trillion dollars. And Nancy Pelosi goes, no, not enough. We want more. And remember, she wants more for things that don't have to do with covid relief. So this, this is the classic slimy journo game it's the congress that's the problem here no no it's not it's the democrats in congress it's the democrat speaker of the house that is she is they are the reason that people are not getting checks in the mail and have not been since 
August. Notice how he says Trump lied. Trump lied because, you know, he said it would go away at some point. I mean, look, a lot of people said a lot. Now he's going back to the beginning of the pandemic. Fauci said don't wear masks. So and he's a, a health expert. Fact. Fauci said don't wear masks. Don't ever forget that. They want you to forget. Don't ever forget that because now they're all, oh, but the science says the science says it's outrageous, outrageous. But he's talking about how things are worse than it's ever been. Yeah. And we've been listening to idiots like his brother who runs New York State because his last name is Cuomo and his dad was the governor before him. Nepotism is bad, folks. I said it. I even said it during the Trump administration. You know it. And a lot. Very few people are willing to say that out loud. It was not was not helpful to me. We can get into that another time. Not helpful. Some people in the Trump orbit, they hear that you say you don't like nepotism and all of a sudden, you know, you're not on the Christmas list anymore. Just telling you a lot of people, a lot of cowardice on that point. Well, nepotism, get ready for it with uh, if the Democrats come into power here with Biden. Oh, my gosh. You, know, you, you think it was annoying to have Hillary care back in the 90s. Hillary Clinton, the first lady put in charge of your health care, of course, was a disaster. But you're going to have that and then some. And what are we going to say? It's bad when you do it. No, that's what de- what Democrats do is I don't like a thing that you do, but I'm allowed to do that thing. I refuse to be that person. I refuse to be that person. And that's also why I'm calling out here this uh, this big speech that Cuomo's giving, you know, while his brother is the governor of New York. It is Democrats who are preventing in the Congress who are preventing aid from getting to people. Republicans have already said, all right, we've got the aid number. Let's go. Wouldn't something be better than nothing? No, Pelosi's holding. People are suffering. There's no need for people to suffer at the level they have been financially. But it helps Pelosi. It helps the Democrats. So they just continue this game. And they have all these mouthpieces in the media. And and we are, in some ways, more outgunned than ever now. You don't think that it's a, a coincidence, right? That in this election year, with all these rule changes, and the, oh, Biden is the president. Don't ask any questions. He's the president-elect. Social media throttling right now social media uh shutting people down for wrong think is more aggressive and it's not i since i talked to you about this yesterday in the show i want to be very clear i've been reaching out to other friends of mine and i haven't asked if i can use their names a lot of people that you know in conservative media right now are having the same problem either about election related stuff or covid so the two biggest issues of public policy in american politics right now are 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 the targets of unprecedented suppression campaigns right now when it matters you think it's an accident yeah maybe in three months or six months facebook will stop throttling people like me who are raising questions about the covid lockdowns here's a very simple fact friends california has had Months and months of preparation and and patting themselves on the back. I'm talking about the leadership now, Newsom and others, for what a great job they did crushing the virus, flattening the curve. They can't flatten jack squat right now. Why? The people who are saying it is because we're not doing what we're told are, are imbeciles who cannot observe what is going on around them. That is just that is a lie. There is no change. I'm here. The only day I want to be very clear, the only day where I saw people all of a sudden forget about distancing, forget about masks was Biden declaration of victory Saturday. That's when you and everybody dancing in the streets. Yay, Biden. Everything's going to be better now. What's going to be better? 
We're going to sell out to China. We're going to bend the knee to the Chinese Communist Party. What exactly is going to be better when Joe Biden is in charge? Oh, we're going to have somebody who appoints a climate change czar. So many people both lack real meaning in their lives. Just going to say it. And and also just have no ability to think for themselves against the pressure of outside forces and people who fall into those two categories. They're, if those two things are true about you, you're a leftist, you're a Democrat. It's just the way it is. But they continue to try to shut us down, prevent us from speaking. I won't I won't ever let it go that they were telling us even two, three years ago. There was no suppression of conservative ideas on social media. You remember that? Ah, that's right. Just the incrementalism. Okay. They kept saying it until we proved it a little more, a little more. It was a it was a conspiracy theory, according to left wing news sites, that there was any suppression of conservative ideas. Now, straight up, they're saying, yeah, no, we hired a bunch of libs to fact check you. And really what they're doing is putting missing context flags on your post so now now you you're not actually reaching your audience anymore this is no different understand this is no different than if if google started saying you know what we really don't like your views so we're just gonna you think you're you're sending out to an email list you know your blog or your thoughts whatever it may be and it's actually just going into a trash bin somewhere we're not we're not showing it to anybody that's what they're doing you say well hold on a second i thought terms of service i thought this was a business i thought there were there was an agreement here. There was an implicit understanding. Yeah, well, too bad. Sorry. What, what are you going to do? That is the America we live in right now. We are in a fight on many fronts. I, I feel like people are are losing a little bit of the fire in the belly right now on the right. We are in a fight on many fronts. Speech, freedom being suppressed and attacked by the social media companies, by these lockdowns. The, the left wants to just completely suppress further investigation of this election if they get their way i mean what are we doing here what what do you think is going to be left if they can just steamroll us on all these issues we got to dig in you're in the freedom hut this is the buck sexton show podcast get more from buck by following him on social media at buck sexton on facebook twitter and instagram i was talking to you about all the different fights that we have underway right now there's one that i I think you need to be prepared for as well. And I, this is not as high a priority as the others, but it factors into all of them. It, it, it's a part of all the other ones. Uh, and that is the complete rewriting of Russia collusion by the people who did it, by the media who were entirely wrong on it. It'll, it'll take time. It'll be a process. But they were all a bunch of liars and they destroyed objective journalism as a concept. It's a lie. It's a joke. It's not doesn't exist in this country. There is no industry. There can be people who are objective journalists. There is no industry of objective journalism. It does not exist. And I'm not even really sure that truly objective journalism exists, but there are good faith journalists. They do exist. But good faith journalism is is a joke. There is no such thing. But, you know, the old uh, aphorism. Is it an aphorism? Maxim, whatever. Uh, History is written by the victors. You'll hear people say this. History is written by the victors. They are going to, if we have this Biden uh, administration coming into power, they're going to do everything that they can to completely whitewash and rewrite the history of this 
Russia collusion. I mean, the election, of course, for sure. It's all going to be crazy. Yeah, so there were 5,000 votes mistabulated in Michigan by a software glitch. And yeah, they wouldn't let us do the signature match. And yeah, they changed the res- they changed the election process in Pennsylvania in violation of the Constitution. You know, all, all these things. But with all that, with all that, there will at least be, I think, some some record of what really happened. But with Russia collusion, it's going to be Soviet style, Soviet style whitewashing of of history. They're going to completely change the whole thing. They're going to say, oh, you know, we we just never really got to the bottom of it. That's how they'll they'll open the case back up when they feel like they're in a position. They've got the megaphone and we won't have the ability to have the DOJ step in and, and speak truth to people. The DOJ will be full at the top level and, and throughout. Let's be honest, a lot of lib lawyers who lie. That was a fun alliteration. A lot of lib lawyers who lie in the Department of Justice, regardless of the administration. Uh, but we won't have anybody who will step in and say, no, this new narrative about Russia collusion is nonsense. Uh, I can't believe we're bringing this back up. They will resurrect it and pretend like they were right all along. That's what I'm warning you about. I, and I know right now that seems like, come on, Buck. No. Way. Yes, they will. You will start to. It'll be slow. And at first they'll come up against some resistance, but they will resurrect it. They will bring it back and they will say we were right all along with Russia collusion. We just haven't proven it yet. Now, remember, these are the same people who tell you that any questions about an election that was in an unprecedented pandemic with an incredible amount of changes and enforced irregularities in the system. If you ask anything about that, you're a conspiracy theorist. But if you decide that years after the uh, the Russia collusion mess was shown to be the fraud that it is, oh, we, we need a second look at this. That's what they'll do. You'll, you'll see you'll see this whole industry of people who are resurrecting that Trump was a Russian asset. I know right now it sounds so crazy that it, it can't it, it will happen. So this is also why social media giants crushing dissent online, which is just they they are the greatest threat to free speech in America today. They should be the greatest protectors of it. But they're run by leftists. They're run by libs. They're owned by libs. They are socially pressured. You know, the people that are in the in the actual rank and file of Facebook and Twitter. They're all a bunch of uh, of urban libs, you know, coastal elites. And they are the biggest threat to free speech and to a functioning society based along democratic norms that exists in America today. The social media platforms. It's true. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. He is an entrepreneur, a visionary, a seer, a man who's been in a lot of different games and knows how to play them. Our friend James Altucher is back, podcast host. Check out his latest uh, podcast whenever you can. James, appreciate you joining us, man. Buck, once again, always happy to join the show. So tell me this. What do you see happening going into this what feels like it will be a long, cold winter of particularly small business discontent. What do you think? You know, I think small businesses are in trouble. You know, during this pandemic, during the lockdowns, we've gotten 
addicted to Amazon. You get paid money and you instantly send it to Seattle. It no longer survives in your community. It no longer, usually money would circulate in the community. And that's what makes communities prosperous. It's, it's, the, it's called the velocity of money in, in economic terms, but it's what makes communities prosperous is that people spend in their local stores. That has, that's, a, that's a, a trend that started 50 years ago that we started you know, giving money to the big chains, but now it's firmly set where, where we just send all of our money to Amazon, no questions asked. And that's going to have a, a horrific effect on local communities. So what do you think should I do be th- done? I do I mean, think for... the opportunities for entrepreneurs. Go ahead. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You entrepreneurs, go I ahead. I do think the opportunities for entrepreneurship, though, are, are going to be plentiful for, for online entrepreneurs. Like more things moving online means more opportunities for entrepreneurship. Is there anything that we could do that we're I mean, obviously, there's the PPP program, which has stalled out since August. But, you know, how how can people either on their own or, or how could if the government was trying to be helpful, what, what could be done to help us adapt during this period? Because here's my concern. I mean, I'm already seeing all these posts about just beloved neighborhood businesses, restaurants, stores that are closing all over New York City. It's same the same things happening out in Los Angeles. Same thing is going to be happening. You know, I think I think it hits the big cities first because they've been pretty pretty extreme on the lockdowns and and now they're already they've already been in california lockdown for a few weeks how, how can places try to you know or, or how could they be assisted in the adaptation james so that they could at least get through this very difficult period it's an interesting question because i think you have to think out of the box and nobody wants to do that you have to make some tough choices for instance New York City owns 27 hospitals. Well, New York City is not in the hospital business, so they, they, they provide good health care, but they lose money on it every single year. And New York City can no longer afford to lose money. New York City is going to be about $100 billion in the hole next year. So you have to start considering things like, should we sell the New York City hospital system for whatever, $30, $40 billion and pay back a lot of New York City debt? That would go a long way, but it's a very unpopular choice. We could sell the Port Authority in New York City. We could start selling assets. The other thing is, uh, there's an idea I've been playing around with, which is let's put in place a negative sales tax, meaning instead of being charged money for shopping locally, which is what happens now, like you buy potato chips at the deli, you're charged an extra six or 7% sales tax. Let's give people money who shop locally. Maybe that's implemented with crypto or Bitcoin somehow. It, the implementation is not important. But if you if you shop locally, you should get extra money that, that is only worth that's only has value if you use that extra money to again shop locally. That's why I suggest using another currency to implement this or some kind of let's call it New York City bucks. So everybody gets New York City bucks when they shop at a local store, a mom and pop store in New York City. And maybe that's redeemable one for one for U.S. dollars in 10 years. So for 10 years, you're encouraged to shop locally with these. uh, Again, I'll put it in quotes, uh, New York City bucks, something like that, like creative out of the box solutions. You're not going to you're not going to solve things like they're doing now in New York City. You're not going to solve things by shutting down businesses. You're not going to solve things by raising taxes. Yesterday, yesterday, Goldman Sachs Asset Management uh, left for 
Palm Beach, Florida. And in the same article, I read 70 other financial firms left for other places. And what does that mean? Some people might look at that and say, oh, yeah, well, the wealthy should leave. Good riddance. Well, they happen to be the ones who pay the taxes that afford the teachers, the trash collectors, the EMT healthcare workers, the transit workers, the police, the firemen, you know, all the services that New Yorkers have grown to depend on and love. That's they, they New York City pays for that via taxes. And right now, tourism taxes are down. Property taxes are down. Income taxes are going to be a disaster in 2021. A half a million people have moved out of New York City in the past few months. So that's kind of the long and short of it. Speaking of James Altucher, he's a podcaster, author, and an entrepreneur. And James, I know you're in New York City now. Do you get any sense that people this time around who uh, maybe are Let's just say they don't they don't share my politics. They're uh, they're people who are Democrats or more left wing. Do you think they're recognizing more or are you getting any sense that they're starting to see that the people in charge don't know what the hell they're doing and they can't actually fix this and we need to come up with other ideas? Yes and no. I mean, I have yet to meet a single person who voted for uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio, who magically is finishing his second term in office. So somebody must have voted for him, but nobody will admit voting for him. And so uh, that's the yes. But the no is, uh, you know, everybody is is, you know, has the exact same politics that they had before. They think that they're liberal and conscientious towards others. And yet, you know, in private, I find I find New Yorkers to be very much against progressive ideas or creative ideas that will actually help the city that they live in, help the people in the city. You know, of course. The, the virus is affecting a lot of policy decisions, but we have to remember that the virus and the economy are two different beasts. And you're going to, as you fight the virus more and more, depending on how draconian the policies get, you're going to risk ruining the economy and ruining the city in the long term. And that's and people don't seem to realize that. I, I think people with a certain kind of politics don't really seem to understand the importance of basic economics. Yeah, I and, and we're speaking to James Altucher, podcaster, author, and and host. Uh, James, I, I think that if people understood that there are a lot of businesses that have already had a really bad year, that are way behind on their rent, that uh, and, and have had to lay off employees. In some cases, I, I've read about and heard about places that have had to lay off employees multiple times already. So they've already had two rounds of, sorry, everybody, go home. The first time, they might have gotten PPP. Second time, they might not have had, you know, they might have had to get rid of half their staff or and if they're going to close indoor dining, for example, in New York, they've already closed it in Los Angeles. And this for for, you know, anyone anywhere else, th- this is coming to them, too. Or what's going to because the pressure works in such a way that when one city gets more extreme, another city government, also usually Democrats in charge, are going to say, well, we don't want to be the ones who seem like we're reckless. Right. So Philly and Dallas and, you know, name a place. The only exception to this has been Florida. Uh, But anyway, I'll get to Florida in a second. It it seems to me that people need to be made to understand that we don't have 90 days here of just sorry, your business is shut down because it's going to be much worse this time around than it even was the first time around because they're already hurt. They're already the business is already kind of wounded, if you will. And and, and the issue is a lot of smart people don't seem to grasp what the common 
main, I shouldn't say coming, but the main street person is dealing with the, the, the bar owner, the rest. I own a bar in New York City. So the bar owner, the restaurant owner, the, the clothing store owner, these people are suffering. They, there are restaurants that have been in business for generations or stores that have been in business for generations that are now bankrupt, that are out of business. And it's only going to get many times worse during the winter months with, with none of these stores and restaurants open, at least in the, in the late spring and in the summer, there was outdoor dining in places like New York City and L.A., and restaurants survived barely because of that. By January 1st, it's estimated that up to 90% of the restaurants in New York City might shut down and be bankrupt for good. Not only that, the eviction moratorium is over on January 1st. One in four New Yorkers haven't paid rent since March. And again, this is not just New York City, this is many cities. But to your point about other cities, not uh, the first tier cities are in big trouble. They've, they've spent massively on providing great services to their citizens and all of that money is gone and those services are in trouble. But a lot of people now are fleeing the New Yorks and LAs for Austin, Park City, Las Vegas, Miami, Denver, Phoenix, New Orleans, Nashville. So these second tier cities, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, both in real estate and entrepreneurship. Silicon Valley is a ghost town at the moment because in part it's moving to these other cities and it's dispersing, which is not a bad thing. It's, it's about time this happens. This was long due and it's just accelerating a trend that was already going to happen. And you believe strongly uh, that the the virtual trend that we're seeing here, I mean, the, the, the big question that I see from people and I think it's an interesting argument is one will will travel return to a, in a way that it's close to at least what it was before, because there are some who say, well, people aren't going to be flying for meetings the same way because of Zoom calls. I think there's some truth to that there's all in person is still better and more. I think it has more impact than than Zoom. If we're really you know, looking at this, especially, you know, if you're going to ask somebody to give you one hundred thousand dollars for your startup or a million dollars for your startup. If you can be hand, you know, hand to hand in person handshake that that's still going to be better. Um, but also, I think there'll be an explosion of people that want to once the virus is finally there's vaccinations that want to travel, that want to get out there and do things. So there's that part of it. But then also, what does it mean for real estate, for commercial real estate, for places? The, you know, yeah, I think people are going to still want to have offices, but I think office space is going to be at much less of a premium. I think offices are going to be smaller by, you know, it's going to be more of a gathering space and less of a, you know, sock me into my cubicle. Right. I mean, how do you see that playing out? So so travel and offices. Right. So travel. I agree with you. Better, better to be in person for, for meetings that are across the country. However, it's obviously not very productive to spend, you know, days of your life traveling from New York to L.A., say, and then traveling back just for one or two meetings. So what's going to happen is. We are going to see probably about a, a 30 to 50 percent reduction in business travel. I'm absolutely convinced of this. Of course, I'm just predicting and, you know, being a pundit here. But th this is a natural thing that's going to happen. You said that people, uh, of course, enjoy and it's better for face to face. That's true, but it's not what companies are going to want. Companies are already used to saving the money of reduced travel and not that much of a reduction in productivity. There's been a lot of research on this the past few months. There's there's a, a significant benefit in productivity happening right now, and that's not going away. And companies are going to be able to save costs. Like you said, on real estate, they're going to may, maybe many industries are going to switch to a hybrid model. Come in one or two days a week, share your desk with somebody who's coming in the other one or two days a week, and 
we could reduce office space. Now, office space architecture is going to change as well. Desks are going to be a little bit more spread out. There's going to be no more open area uh, floor plans. There's going to be more cubicles and offices now because protection from future viruses and pandemics. Like, just because this virus is over, we're now aware that viruses and flus and pandemics exist, just like Asia has been aware for the past couple of decades. So that's going to significantly ch- And let's not forget, once again, bandwidth has changed. For the first time ever for one of these catastrophes, bandwidth is now good enough, 10 times faster than it was in 2009. Bandwidth is good enough for you and I to have as many meetings as we want at high quality bandwidth for 4D screens. So uh, 4K screens. So uh, I see remote is, uh, is, is here to stay. It might not be to the level it is now, but you're not going to see 100% full buildings. You're not going to see uh, air travel the way it was. It, it's all different. Where, James, where can folks go to and, uh, and, down, know, lot, check out? A lot out... of spaces are going to be... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, trying, I was trying to promo your podcast. Where can where should folks go to listen? Oh, yeah, the James Altucher show, but I always like coming on Buck Sexton's show, so listen to me here. There we go. James Altucher, everybody. James, thanks so much. Thank you, Buck. Thanks again.